Hello and welcome to Shakespeare On Screen, a podcast where I meet up with a friend to talk about a movie or a recorded stage production or an adaptation, as is the case in, for this wonderful episode with uh, of Shakespeare. And this is our third time going through through Macbeth on this podcast, our third time handling the Scottish play. But this time is very, very unique and very different because now the Scottish play is in Japan. And I have with me my good friend from the Shakespeare Online Repertory, Phil. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for inviting me. This is this is a cool podcast. And and yeah, Macbeth, it 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 it's everywhere and and can be done in so many ways so it's great to talk about it here mm-hmm. and so we are talking about akira kurosawa's masterpiece throne of blood mm. great title yes it's not macbeth but it's but watching the movie it's just 100 this is beat for beat and story everything this is 100 yes this is macbeth this isn't like lion king where i think that's something of a when we do the lion king episode on this podcast i, we'll, I, I just heard that you were going to do the all three of them the, <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah out there i think you're being called out to yes to i have been called out to do all all <laughs> <laughs> video movies as well <laughs> which honestly those are actually much more shakespeare than than the than the real Lion yeah. King. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. No, I totally agree with that. But I, it's it's uh, I, it, let's be honest. If Shakespeare thought of the name Throne of Blood, he totally would have used it. Oh yeah. Well, there's a great would... uh, there's a great uh, line. Uh, Shakespeare, like only his comedies really have good, interesting titles. A lot of them are just the most boring. Otherwise, it's just like, what's it called? Julius Caesar. Yeah. What's it it's, called? It's, Henry the Sixth, Part Three. Uh, not like you know some subtitle, you know. I, I, that's not entirely true. Like, there's lots of like unabridged titles that are so damn long. But right. Yeah. yeah no, that is true. I didn't think about it. It, it. Does any of his tragedies have the funky names, or they're all just the name of the tragedy, right? Yeah, it's just the tragedy of of Othello, tragedy yeah. of Macbeth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, if he's, seriously, he would have defeated Throne of Blood in Scotland would have been great. <laughs> there, uh, it sounds like a, almost an exploitation movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the what was that one? Oh no, no, I was gonna say there's a joke in Shakespeare and in Love where he's talking to Marlowe, and he says like, "I'm working on my new play, The Massacre of Paris," and just and, and Shakespeare's response is, "Wow, great title." <laughs> I think he would have said the same about Throne of Blood. Yeah. Oh, and I think he would have been extremely flattered by Throne of Blood. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. I think as a writer and a performer, I think as a stage guy himself, I think he would. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is. You it. know, that's that's a little bit forgotten about Shakespeare, but yeah, he was an actor. Although the only real role we know he played was Hamlet's father. <clears throat> He, yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, he writes like a an actor's writer. I mean, he writes like a guy that knows what actors like to do and say. <laughs> yeah. Although, but Kurosawa doesn't worry about any of that. Yeah. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> well, 
Well, Shakespeare. That's true, but as we'll get into, it's all 100% Shakespeare, and there's yeah. some wonderful touches. But before we really dive into, I ask this for every new guest all the time. Oh, okay. Bill, what is your relationship to Shakespeare? Shakespeare and I are old friends. We so <laughs> my relationship to Shakespeare, you know, we were in we were, before we started this up. I, I was kind of talking about a little bit that Macbeth in particular. That's why I'm. This is an exciting one for me to come on because I've mm. had a long history of Macbeth. Macbeth was the first staged Shakespeare I saw as a kid. I saw it when I was in middle school. Our locals, you know, and I, I, I hope every big city has this, but we, you know, and they still do it today you know kids go see live Shakespeare during mm-hmm. school you know you go yeah. and, and and Macbeth was the first one I saw and it uh it it blew me away and 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 I could not understand a word of what they were saying I had no <laughs> idea what they were saying and which I think you know you know goes to the universality of the the storyline and how just powerful it is as a story because I still knew everything that was going on without knowing it mm. and then through the years I've uh, I, I got to perform it in high school and, and college uh, and loved it. And I did some post-college uh, Shakespeare, not as much as I'd like, and but I've been seeing it. I'm a huge fan of theater. My, my wife is in professional theater, so I get to see wherever she works. Usually somebody is doing a Shakespeare. Where she's working now, they do a lot of Shakespeare. So I've seen the show a million times. And, and, uh, and kind of ending with it, with Shakespeare in particular, uh, was it comes back to Macbeth that it, it still is one of the shows that I've seen probably one of the most versions of and the most different versions of uh, and um, you know not only the uh, Throne of Blood and the different film versions and stage versions uh, the Sleep No More the uh, Punch Drunk Theater in New York doing the that that I don't know if you're ever going to talk about that on your podcast that would be a good one <laughs> you get some people that have gone to that to talk about the deconstructed uh, version of Shakespeare. And what about the famous Star Trek Shakespeare in the original Ooh. TV series? The, uh, the uh, what was it? The Dagger of the Mind. Dagger Shakespeare of the Mind. The Meg- has the Shakespeare line. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And everything I like seems to like Shakespeare. Like I love Star yes. Trek and Star Trek loves Shakespeare. Oh yeah, Star Trek. Uh, well, well, I would have, <laughs> I, I was going to say Conscience of the King. Like that, that episode is. Oh, that's right. That's the one, that's right. Oh my that's god, the I forgot. Ham- that's the Hamlet episode. Come back on that's and we'll right. talk about that and nerd yes, out about that. Your trick. That's right, I forgot about that. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. Crossover. So yeah, it goes back. I I I live it, I love it, and and I get to see it all the time and I'm so thankful. And and actually thanks to your your Discord group, uh in, in a time of COVID when you can't get together to see it. It's been so much fun being able to sit and read it aloud. There was oh, yeah. I, we did something similar to that in Cleveland. I live in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and a local theater company used to do that uh, during the off season. They were a summer Shakespeare company, and the off you know in the winter they would have monthly mm-hmm. versions just like this. But it, it kind of fell out of you know people stopped going to it, and I really missed it. And when this you know your your thing popped up, and oh, it's been so much fun. I mean, it's it's <laughs> Shakespeare's fun to read and see. But it's Absolutely. really fun just to read out loud with with people mm-hmm. and just hearing people do it and is it, you just hear the language in a way you can't get from reading it off the paper. So yeah, yeah. so much. So I really am thankful you guys got that going. It's very <laughs> cool. As am I. As am I. 
Uh, I mean, you, you jogged a memory that I had completely forgotten, Phil, of that now that I think back on it, I, discounting Lion King, my first real exposure to Shakespeare was Macbeth. It was um, an elementary school assembly. I had like these two two actors like came and did snippets from Macbeth to us. And it was, and that was like, you said middle school, you were too young to understand. I like, it was like, I have no idea what you're saying at all. Other than like, maybe like the names and, and the, and they did like the double, bubble toil and trouble scene and i was like i understand the chant and then like then they would like start doing all the like the actual spells parts in between the the chorus and i'm just like okay nope nope nothing again and yet and yet the sword fight at the end invigorated me i was like ooh, okay this is kind of cool yeah yeah oh my god that's hilarious yeah going really young (laughs) yeah i was way too young I was way too young. Did you, are you a are you a fan of the show um, Slings and Arrows, the Canadian show? Oh, I need to actually get in and really see it. I'm, I'm, I I need to. Uh, oh, do it. It's great. Yeah. Especially at knowing your story, that there's a scene in that where uh, they go to see a uh, elementary school production of Macbeth, and it's extremely <laughs> fun. So I highly recommend you check that out. Okay. That. The whole thing, the whole each season takes a show, and Macbeth is season one, or no, Hamlet season one, mm-hmm. season two is Macbeth, and it's phenomenal. So yeah, it, it might bring back haunting memories of your childhood, though. So <laughs> trigger warning. <laughs> when did you we'll see, see? When did you first see? When did you first see Shakespeare? And knew you were seeing it, and we're like, yeah, this is it. Like, when was? What's your relationship? Because I don't think I heard your version of that. And I've listened to a couple of your podcasts, but oh, okay, well. Wow, I've forgotten this interview. Um, yeah, it's new you to know, me. That's a great question. Uh, I think technically, uh, did I have any in middle school? I don't think I had any middle school. So it was really, it was in high school. And like the first two plays I read didn't knock me back. They first one was Romeo and Juliet, and it was by a wonderful teacher that I adore that she got me to be an English major. Nice. Not intentionally, but she did. I'm just loving it. She was a wonderful teacher and she's a huge, huge Shakespeare fan. Um, she was part of the, the rebuilding of the globe. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So she was, um, she's a big Shakespeare scholar. I won't say her name just in case she doesn't want to be named dropped, (laughs) but, uh, she, she taught at the high school and her husband also taught as the drama teacher. Mm-hmm. And so the first two plays I read were of Shakespeare were Romeo and Juliet. And my teacher had a bit of a mixed a- attitude as she taught Romeo and Juliet, where she was almost riff tracksing it as we were reading it. God, that's great though. <laughs> although at the same, yeah, although at the same time, and I said this in the Romeo and Juliet episode, when I watched the 1968 movie as much as i was i was also just like high hindsight is 2020 i was i was 14 and i was just like true love love at first sight rolling my eyes and like and scoffing and nudity in school for the first time 
but then I will say the movie, the movie actually was like, actually, this is kind of working for me. Yeah. As the movie. And so that's kind of like softening me up. But then we read Merchant of Venice and boy, that, that, that was like, I'm kind of amazed in hindsight that, that the school that was part of the syllabus. That's... <laughs> Cause it's kind of the opposite of like the main theme of that year of like bigotry was a big pervading theme of that year for, uh, for English. And this is like, uh, this is kind of the opposite. <laughs> That's hilarious. Why would that? Yeah. Wow. Like, and so I'd love to be in that, the, the fly in the wall of that discussion. Like which play should we do of the whole canon? Yeah. Merchant of Venice. Yeah. I mean, we, that, that year we also like studied the Holocaust and it was just like, it's like, this is kind of odd bedfellows. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, Pete. And, uh, then afterwards, uh, like that year, my junior year of high, of high school I got fully converted I converted I and I drank the Shakespearean Kool-Aid yeah. for my for my English class we read Othello and the character of Iago just instantly like appealed to me I've always loved great villains and Iago what a villain yeah and just like so captivating and seeing also not gonna lie Kenneth Branagh as Othello and what is one of his best performances it was just like my my breath was taken away. I was like, I love this. I love all of this. I love this play. I was wrong about Shakespeare. And the other thing, at the same time, in my drama class, um, with my drama teacher, we tried <laughs> we tried to do a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. No one could memorize the dialogue except me. Mm. And but I fell in love with the play. Instantly, it was like, oh, yeah. this is genuinely hilarious. This is awesome. And it so annoyed me that none of the people around me, like, were were either into it or could get the 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 dialogue down. But mm-hmm. it was like, it was drama. It was a drama class of that the students had like had some acting skill, mm-hmm. but they still had no drive to really be there, other than they had to be there. It wasn't like the advanced class where, no, everyone wants to be here. So, and so there's actual effort made. Yeah. And so it was just like, ah. So no one gave a, a crap. But both that that married couple got me to fall in love with Shakespeare. And uh-huh. by my final year, we had two Shakespeare plays. And they were uh, Lear and um, Hamlet. <laughs> you know? And the masterpiece of that was Hamlet. And Hamlet, I read at the perfect age where that was right. just everything. And understand why they don't teach that one younger instead of Romeo and Juliet, because Hamlet is more about an angry kid than yeah. And you're like, what get a show about a guy angry at his mom remarrying? You know, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Like half the kids will be like, I get him. Yeah. And so that's my. After that, I've, I've always loved Shakespeare, and it's always. Yeah. I've had ebbs and flows, but I've always been a huge fan of Shakespeare from that point on words end. More and more recently, I've become more of a fan of the histories, just getting more into them thanks to the Hollow Crown series, and just nice. really appreciating them. But that's my relationship to Shakespeare. I've never been asked that before. That's great. No, <laughs> Share that. It's a podcast yeah, exclusive. Yeah. See, I haven't. Yeah, I've only. Yeah, I've gotten to know you a bit through the readings, but we're so focused on the show and talking about the show and 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 just and, and joking around, kind of riff tracking yeah. it as we do it. it, it we yeah. never get into each other's 
backstory. So that's that's cool. Well, good. I've never shared that before. That's great. <laughs> good, good, good. So what's so even more important? What's your uh, relationship with Kurosawa? Kurosawa. Okay, I told Phil about this off <laughs> offline, but Kurosawa. My relationship with him is I I really love George Lucas's love of him that he put in his movies. <laughs> That's my relationship to Kurosawa is that I've I've known Kurosawa for years, but I've never seen a movie of his. So this is this podcast. Talk, thank you for getting me to watch Throne of Blood because yeah. it's my first Kurosawa. And what a wonderful one to, to debut to. Yeah, he, it's it's a ridiculous film. Uh, uh, How about so good? My um, goes back a little. I, I there was I had a period where I got into some samurai films mm-hmm. and uh and i did a few kurosawa i've done throne i've done ron and there's one called um i, I can't remember i don't know how to pronounce it kagamushu it's oh, it's kind of a um best. it's a it's a great one and it's the it's the whole trading places it's just a japanese version of trading places and wow. it's fantastic about a guy that has to it's dave <laughs> the 90s president movie Dave, but done with a, you know, Japanese warlord, and it's oh my god, it's so good. Mm-hmm. What I need to see is I have not seen any of his like non samurai stuff. I only I've only seen his samurai things. Mm-hmm. So I need to see his uh, he's got like his his film stuff is just he's he's got a huge depth, but I'm like only into his you know his samurai things and and Hidden Fortress. Speaking of Star Wars, I need to see yeah. Hidden Fortress, Hidden which I Fortress. hear actually is ridiculously close to star wars like it's not even funny it's like oh whoa he, he actually made a you know lucas actually stole a kurosawa film and made a science fiction movie out of it so well that's something that no one really will <clears throat> remembers anymore about about lucas with star wars although lucas's face front completely oh, yeah. open about it it's like yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. like kurosawa it, was a big influence along with flash gordon and all this stuff yeah and These guys were his generation worshipped him. To, oh yeah, like they that's that's their guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well he's he's right there with Wells and Kubrick of yeah. one of the true indisputed artists of yeah. film, and he's like the big name. So he's in that company. That's like ooh, okay, you're a heavy yeah. heavyweight. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. So what did you? What's your take on this? And so this was your f- first Kurosawa, and then also, uh, uh, not your first adaptation of Shakespeare. Like you said, you've seen some things that are inspired by Shakespeare. But what did you take from this as a, like you, you basically said it in your text to me as you finished, you go, it's 100% Macbeth. Oh yeah. Even though yes. So so, so um, the only other adaptation we've done so far is uh, is is get over it the 90s uh miramax comedy that's basically a midsummer night's dream never heard of that uh, i gotta check yeah it out. <laughs> it's it's fun it's it's well, kind of a it's it's a kind of love to hate movie it's it's the poor man's 10 things i hate about you i gotcha okay gotcha <laughs> uh, the, yeah. the most amazing thing about that movie is all like these people, like so many of the people in the cast became gigantic stars. And it's just like, wow, it's so weird to see them as young little teenagers. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, first thing coming out. Uh, when we do the Lion King episode, I'll get more into this, but. 
basically the Lion King is Hamlet really comes from, I think, just this one one off quote made by by Jeffrey Katzenberg to the makers of Lion King to get them to really like when they were in the deep of like, you know, working on the movie, but like still not quite getting there. Right. Like, he, he said, like, you're doing Hamlet. And then it was like, oh, and like of, of basically what the core story is. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we are. And then they <laughs> went off from that. And suddenly it is Hamlet. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, funny. yeah. But I think that's kind of an exaggeration. Honestly, I think Lion King has more in common with Macbeth. But no, um, I mean, just from the opening, let, let's get into the, yeah. into the movie itself. Uh, well, actually, here's a, a theme that so the thing is, I, I feel a little bit with Shakespeare mm-hmm. is even though the language we've both talked about how when you're young, it's incredibly intimidating. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But after a while, once you get the ear mm-hmm. and hopefully you see great performances. Right. Because that's a vital component of it as well. But once you get the ear and you get some great performances you really go to a Shakespeare play for the language, mm-hmm. for the characters. You don't really go to Shakespeare very often. And I say this with all the love for the plots. Shakespeare's plots are almost always the weakest parts of his plays, especially mm-hmm. the comedies. Yeah. But but Who can dress up like a boy again? <laughs> How can there be a little bit of a, a disguise can cause such confusion? Right. And it's the and mishaps. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, it works. Comedy of errors. It's on this whole. That's basically the whole. Yeah. Point of it. It's a Three Stooges gag that goes on. Yeah. Two hours. Yeah. For, for two hours. For two hours. But a good one. It's a good guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. No. It's a great comedy. But you're right. Um, they're they're not not the strength. Except for. Except Macbeth. for Macbeth. Macbeth is one of the. And. We do have to acknowledge what we have for the source material for Macbeth is the folio edition. So it was 100% the version that Shakespeare was. Shakespeare's troupe would play before the audi- audiences. It's completely the condensed version. Somewhere, I, I'm sure there were longer versions of Macbeth somewhere out there, but we have the stage version. So yeah. that's why just about every scene in Macbeth, the play we have, is vital to the story. And it's unlike, and we had this discussion on our Discord, but unlike Hamlet, Macbeth is a play defined by action, and it's all kinetic. There's no fat at all. At all. It's trim. Yeah. It's to the point. Yep. yep. And oddly, and this is something that's so strange, is we all do know that Shakespeare is universal. And Macbeth probably is one of the most universal stories of all. And Throne of Blood is a great example of that. Of that the code of of chivalry is so 
similar to the code of Bushido. And you just have to replace plate armor with samurai armor. And you're in there. And the opening chant, the opening and ending chant sets up the, is almost works like, even though it's not from Macbeth, it's almost like the Romeo and Juliet prologue where it just, it tells you everything that's going to thematically happen. And it also is repeated at the end and it's just so perfect. Yeah. 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 It's like a perfect thematic opening. Yeah. And also I got to say, just, um, this is me, probably way to go Kurosawa, but we're, we're at our most cinema. We might be at our most, uh, cinema critic for this episode sure yeah um but one thing that that just like a joke but also serious of of what kurosawa does for the for both the background and just the shots of of smoke and mist it's just like wow it's like the mists of Scotland, but now we're in the mists of Japan, and it's still the universality of this whole story of just – this is a story about ambitious lords in past times. And Kurosawa just looked at it, and I, I guess I was like, this is easy. This totally yeah. works for us. It's like, no, yeah. the, there's, the, there's nothing hard to translate here. It's like, no. Like, I can't translate Shakespearean text. Or, I mean, I, he could have, but he didn't. But he gets the main point, and he tells a Macbeth. Yeah. And, and he and, tells one of the best Macbeths. Right, exactly. And he and he, and he really couldn't. You know, I think I, – I don't know many – like, when you read a, a, a story that's written in another language, if it's translated, it automatically loses a layer of poetry. It does. Because, and so when you're reading, like – novels that you know you know i read a novel written by a you know a, a chinese author and it's translated and it's translated by like the best person to translate it but instantly you know you're missing a whole different context and so i think the fact that shakespeare wasn't he didn't even attempt to try to do the you know like to try to do a line by line translation was just the best way to go mm-hmm. like it, it just would have lost too much well, wow. because we're talking about a Japanese film, I'll say this. As a big fan of manga and anime, mm-hmm. like whenever like like most translations are pretty good, but there was always like just ever so often in the when you read a manga or watched an episode of an anime, it was just like they had to like put an asterisk to explain the joke. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just like it's like, oh, that's like yep, that's where it's like, yep. Not all yeah. things are, yeah. some things are genuinely lost in translation. And, and all so the Shakespearean punnery in particular of the comedies is just like, oh, that could right. not, that probably does not translate at all. Right. And like, like and one in particular. So I was thinking of like, when, you know, before we were talking about this, I'm kind of like writing down some thoughts, like I had some differences and some similarities. They couldn't have, they didn't do a knock knock joke. I mean, it, like <laughs> Beth had the first knock knock joke in it. And, Oh that, yes, that, that they couldn't have worked. There's no way that would have been like, you know, people would be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no knocking in this show. There's no knocking, and you know, and and so like little stuff like that, you can't just like just throw it out. You know, get rid of it if it doesn't translate. Uh, 
so yeah that's good and and when you go on with the visual about the, just a little point on the visuals too because what's amazing it's made this movie's made like 60 70 years ago now mm-hmm. was it mid 50s so it's like well, yeah let's, let me yeah, look the like, exact i think date. it was 56 yeah. or 7 and mm-hmm. that opening shot of the fog and it opened you know and it just sort of slightly fades into the actual castle it's just stunning like that would have been all done with cg and special effects oh and yeah they don't have that it's just him setting up shots and, and i've read some stories about him you know like kurosawa is such a perfectionist he would like he would want a particular shot of a sun just touching the top of a hill with a horse riding by it and they would set up all day to do that and if they blew it all right we'll be doing it again tomorrow you know i mean that's <laughs> how and you just take gotta imagine that when he's doing the stuff he's just like so like just particular and oh it, it pays off so well because it is it's just dripping with atmosphere from the first moment and then that sound what do you think of the sound you know the uh oh. the the screeching flute and was just like so scary and, and it just mm-hmm. immediately sets you on edge you're like oh this isn't good <laughs> you know yeah it was, so, it was beautiful it was spare everything about it was spare you know very good choice <laughs> i mean you're making me think of scorsese what, what he did with silence and how i guess he really did a it's it's part of the brilliance of 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 scorsese of he he does like seven levels of tribute and brilliance that you just never will pick up on until unless you're like that level deep of a scholar but Mm, with his um, masterpiece that no one saw silence about jesuit missionaries in japan like he had that same type of like minimalistic set aesthetic with the music as well right Uh. and yeah so but yeah that that that's very spot on observation phil something i think honestly that looking at some of the cinematography it reminded me of orson welles macbeth movie i've just man macbeth it really is a play that really works so damn well it's right there with hamlet of this play really does work so well in black and white oh yeah this is such a gothic play and Kurosawa knows how to do that and it's just so just instant the the fog the shadows it's just this is this is a horror story yeah oh yeah and you know oh yeah go ahead I'm sorry and it's not like outright horror but like no 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 this is a gothic story yeah and we're and we as outsiders like but i mean it just works as well so everyone has that kind of gothic feel yep and so let's talk about the beginning and part of like the again universality and just instant like oh no 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 this is 100 percent macbeth of the opening the opening and the description of the battles and just how how this Macbeth Washizu is is established. Mm-hmm. And it's it's completely Macbeth of just like that Macbeth Macbeth saves saves Duncan from an invasion by a disloyal lord. And in this one the Lord is saved by Washizu and Miki holding out while all the other lords in his fortresses could not hold up 
And that just gives you already the idea and also the interpretation. They, they establish in the opening, and it's something that pretty much is all but universally agreed, uh, that Macbeth's fatal flaw is his ambition. Right. That's what Kurosawa wants to go with, and that's what's here. But it also captures what's always there and why Macbeth is not like Richard III or other tragic characters. He is genuinely a good soul at the beginning of the play and right. at the beginning of this movie in that he nobly fought for his lord. Right. Yeah, that it which and and uh it, it, this that's and I'm glad you brought up the the similarities and and, and I think this is where Kurosawa I don't want to say improves the play <laughs> but he makes some changes to the underlying story that I think don't they don't fix flaws from shit because Shakespeare I, I think he's telling a slightly different story than Shakespeare's Macbeth. The oh, ambition yes. is there, but it's it's there's there's a um it's less about like in 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 well I guess we'll get to that when we get to Lady Macbeth because she's such an interesting version of that character. Mm. Um, but it's right. So from the beginning it starts off very similarly where they get lost in the woods and they meet. Um, well, that's actually a big diversion. Is the witch? Uh, yes. And, it, and a little we side note. We must talk about that then. Yes. Let's talk about that. So, okay. Wow. That's an interpretation, and that's. I said with the last um, Scottish play episode, I did, but the interpretation for Patrick Stewart's Macbeth is probably my favorite interpretation of the witches, mm-hmm. just in the straight, but. I adored this interpretation, but this is also an extremely like this is something I don't know if it's quintessentially Japanese, but it's certainly like this is what Kurosawa wanted to do. And I am just like, wow, of the spirit. That's what mm-hmm. they call it right. in, in this Not play. Spirit. Right. At one point, they, 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 they call her a witch, but then it's like they focus more on on. On spirit. She's a forest spirit, right? This is yeah. like a rogue. They call it like a rogue spirit or an evil spirit. Yeah. And but, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's something that's uh, distinctly different about Japanese culture compared to English culture. Is that like the spirits are just much more just accepted at face value, and they were much more just like, yeah, of course there's a forest spirit, and of course there's evil forest spirits. Like, of course there are. Um, uh, versus Shakespeare had to all but apologize for including the fairies in a Midsummer Night's Dream. I don't want to get put to death. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it, it got worse under James the first, but yeah. Right. So uh, this version, so you're more of a, you're a, you, you sound like you're more into the, the Japanese cultural stuff. So this version looked very much like, uh, kind of the Western, a take on the Western version of fate, you know? Yes, it was. She's doling out the, um, the, the string and the story, you know, she's basically unspooling the story in front of her and just, you know, calling it out. Whereas the witches are in Macbeth are a little more, 
I don't know. They're 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 still like fate. I mean, they're kind of still yes. a version of fate, but they're a little mm. more playful about it, a little bit more taunting yes. about it. This one's just like, here it is, man. You know. Well, not just that. Okay, one. I mean, they Kurosawa captures what what is often not included, but the Weird Sisters sing. Mm-hmm. They they're very much sing, mm-hmm. and the spirits whole opening is singing this song and what shocked me was also damn and it also brought chills to me and good it's supposed to right is the song is pure nihilism this utterly devastating pure nihilism of just like your life doesn't matter you will die there is no afterlife the only afterlife that is possible is through ambition, but that even that immortality is fleeting and will not last. It's just like, wow. That is powerful. That is creepy. The aesthetic where the spirit is almost pure white and in a cage and surrounded by the darkness and storm of the of the forest it's all powerful visuals and what a gut punch of a speech phil are you there phil And so we're it, and we're back. So pure nihilism, uh, what I said before, is that it's just like this speech is such a gut punch because the the spirit just lays it all out and just says like there is like this life is meaningless and there is no afterlife afterwards and the only afterlife is that you will be you can be remembered if you're ambitious but even that will not last because all that impact will eventually be forgotten too mm-hmm. right and combine that with the visual of just the spirit being so white and pale and in a cage and looming that fate all yeah. all surrounded in a cage cage in this dark stormy forest and that contrast of that white spirit it's just like instantly like you are not of this world and all the the mounds of bodies like oh yeah just, like they, the just, they kind of just they just kind of walk through it as if you know oh well lots of mounds of bodies here and yeah it's just and it's just oh it's gorgeous and horrible yep yes so. it is <laughs> And again, again with the cool old school special effects too. When oh, yeah. you know he, he just finally he's heard enough and he like you know taunts and you know walks through where he thinks the 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 crone will be and then through the cage and comes out the other side and turns around it's gone all in one take. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know exactly what he did, but it was just so beautiful how they did it. It was like oh that's just that style. That's mm-hmm. how you do it. But so the, this <clears throat> so this I'm wondering. And I think of this when I see the other Macbeth, because I love the idea of fate in a story. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes that ever that uh, illuminate this is the, from another movie, uh, uh, also inspired by uh, martial arts cinema, The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the the do you remember are you a fan of the matrix at all i don't want to oh yeah yes so yes. there's the great scene with the oracle where where mm. you know, goes to see the oracle and she's going to tell his future and it's a very similar scene it's it's mm-hmm. it's a point where he's going to go find out what his future is and and she tells him but you know maybe or maybe not but she has that one great line where he knocks over the uh flower vase but before he does she says don't worry about the vase and he's like what and he knocks it over and breaks it mm-hmm. and she and and then he's and he's like oh how did you know that and she says the thing that's going to really bother you is you're going to wonder what if i did would you have still done it if i didn't tell you yeah i wonder about that with Macbeth, um especially in this movie because in the in the play lady Macbeth already is kind of like stoking his fire even without the faiths you know what i mean like she's really pressing him you know mm-hmm. you're not the man and all of this and uh this one makes me wonder like if if she if they never ran into him or this the crown if and he gets to the castle he would have gotten everything she said anyway mm-hmm. would it have changed his his thinking you know what i mean um i, I just i love that and i love the idea of fate with that that's always the greatest part of like those kinds of fate and foretelling stories. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that of Oedipus and all these types of stories like that, of that denying fate, but then fate happens. But then yeah. even if you know your fate, th- that doesn't change it at mm-hmm. all. And right. Matrix, it's just like that one of you will have to die. It's either going to be Morpheus or you, Neo. And Neo does die. Yeah. And, but then it's just yeah. like, but I didn't say you'd stay dead. Right, exactly. And so and just and all him, those kinds of fun caveats like that. Yeah. But, this one doesn't do that though. This one just because the Macbeth one, you know, uh, uh, well, well, we'll get to there's a there's a big change in the prediction too that 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 there are two big changes that change how their prediction were 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 um, was issue. Is that how it's pronounced? Was yeah, was issue. Yeah. How Wazishu's decisions are different than Macbeth, that they they change some of the circumstances around the predictions that make it that give him more um, agency in it. It's not, you know what I mean? Well, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to that, I think. Um, but uh, I love that. That's I I love that. It it makes the whole horror of the thing because now he thinks he deserves these things. Yes. Uh, which well, he might have anyway because he he kicked he kicked butt. He really served yeah. the warlord well. And that's always um, the point of Macbeth is that no, you you would have always been, become Thane of Cawdor because Cawdor yeah. was a traitor and you did well. So, oh, so a couple other changes. One a great change. So in if, if I remember, because I haven't now, it's funny having seen Macbeth so many times, I don't remember the specifics as well as I should. In Macbeth, the king doesn't put Cawdor to death, or he puts Cawdor to death. Yes. Whereas in Throne of Blood, the version of Cawdor kills himself. He he knows he's done and he commits ritual suicide because that's really important later in the movie. Because mm-hmm. um, I love that scene too, which is a whole another whole twist that's not in uh, Macbeth that I love that Kurosawa throws in here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one one other thing about the beginning of the movie too that I, it never came back to it. Maybe you know if there's like some symbology or it's just so apparent it's it is what it is. But I love in in samurai movies that they all wear banners. That's how they kind of identify. Oh yes, who yeah. They are, and 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 Wazishu and Miki have their own banners that are very distinctive, and they're not yes. subtle banners. And his is a is a centipede, 
Yes. And it's and not a pretty centipede. No. Nope. And his is and, and Mickey's is a bunny. And I'm like, yeah. oh my god, he's a bunny as his symbol. And I'm like, oh, what that that can't be good. I mean, right <laughs> away you're just like, that's, that's. I think it's like Darth Vader level of like, you know, like I think he's the bad guy. You know, it's like not even subtle. But I is there? Do you know if there's any? Is there any cultural relevance to the symbols of those, or are they like what they what they seem to be, which is just he's I a think, centipede, he's a bunny. <laughs> I think pretty much that. I think okay. so. But but I mean, yeah, no, no. You always had your own. I mean that. That, that's in Europe as well. I mean, Game of Thrones makes a whole, so many hundreds of pages devoted to it. But but you always have your own kind of crest. If you yeah. can, if you like, you're that's, high and up. You you get your own crest. But that's a damn creepy one. You should have yeah. said, maybe, you know. <laughs> well, she's like, maybe you should yeah, tone yeah. it down. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a nice eagle, a bird, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and like, no centipedes. Yeah, no one does. Or the people that do, I think, are a bit on the creepy side. True. So, well, I mean, there's a reason why the that so many Kurosawa movies became became westerns. Right. That's a good point. I need to see all those and then watch the westerns just to get my yeah. comparison game on. Absolutely. The. But yeah, this the. The beauty, beautiful shot. So, you you touched on earlier, Lady Wasiju, who's given a Washizu, who's given a, she she's given a first name, which yeah, Lady Macbeth never d- is given a, a first name. Although in her defense, like, and in or rather in Shakespeare's defense, like Macbeth's wife's actual name is the most like it's such a Scottish name, <laughs> which is like it's like yeah, I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Yeah, let's just call her Mrs. Macbeth. Let's just go with that. It's. Lead. I mean, that's the other thing of just. I think I've said this on other podcasts, but I'll say it again. Of just poor Macbeth is is even more so than the, Richard the Third. Luckily, got a whole society devoted to to debunk some of, some of the utter slandering Hackett job that Shakespeare did to him. <clears throat> right. Although how innocent is again part of the whole debate about Richard III, but Macbeth is like the other most eviscerated by Shakespeare, and there is no Macbeth Society coming to his defense, because Macbeth, like the real Macbeth from all that I can read, like does not deserve the the treatment Shakespeare gives him. <laughs> he was just like he was just this nice Scottish king that ruled for fourteen years. But even Shakespeare doesn't list it as a history, right? Or, or did he not do those identifications? Was that like, because I mean, this is, it's not about history in this play. This one's about. Human well, Mac- I've said before, Sh- Macbeth is, is Shakespeare doing a Stuart propaganda play? Mm-hmm. Because James I is not just alluded to like Henry Tudor and the Tudor dynasty. He is a plot point. <laughs> he's a plot point of the whole play I, all of Banco's prophecies of like you will beget a line of kings it's like wink wink yeah but not just that but also w- w- when Macbeth's visions of like what will hey. become of Banco's sons and it's like oh, I see a line of a thousand kings <clears throat> yeah and just like, I'm sure James, James I is like oh thank you Shakespeare 
Thank yeah. you. you know, Does this have anything to do with my patronage? Oh, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. Come on. He's not an idiot, people. But no, yes. But what's great is that that's a plot point, but it is a plot point. It's not the show. It's not about how do we yeah. make James? It's no. about no, no. You know, naked it's, it's, it's not like transparent. Yeah. It's not as transparent as like the the Henry the Six, where it's like it's like it is tr- much more on the transparent side of like all Henry the Seventh does everything but walk on water in that play. He is like a savior in that play, right. whereas like James the First is just alluded to. That's all. So it's well, a- it. it's aged nicely. And in, in I only saw Henry the Eighth once. But he's barely in it because that's the Queen's dad. So you got to be like really cool about let's just not have him <laughs> on stage a lot, even though the play is named after him. Let's have a whole bunch of other characters, yeah. you know, and when he's on, he's only like, you guys are great and I'm great. And we're like, you're great, Henry VIII. And then, you know, then the real drama happens when he's not on stage. So yeah. Yeah, you don't want to don't don't insult your don't insult your masters in that that day and age mm-hmm. is the way to go. What about so so back to Throne of Blood and and. So another thing I thought was interesting too, and maybe with with the uh, with the crown, because I saw the tra- I watched the trailer. Well, I tra- well, actually I was trying to get my wife to watch. And she's like, I don't know if I would be into it. But the trailer is not the Criterion trailer. So mm-hmm. the trailer uses the words uh, "Spider Castle," mm. um, and the castle that that and then in the Criterion adapt translation, it's just the Forest Castle. And they're mm. surrounded by this forest that they call a maze, but in the trailer, it's it's a web, which yeah, which thickens the whole thing, and then that that makes one thing like is is you know the crone is you know more spidery with the you know now the little school yes. is yeah uh, it, it's cool too. I wish they I don't know why Criterion like went maybe literal or maybe i don't know but it just i thought the whole idea of the spider castle is like so cool i'm like dang it is that come is criterion forest castle <laughs> and i love that like in the the other the other castles are like fort one fort two is falling i'm like oh come on come up with cooler names <laughs> that's you know i guess they went for literal translation instead of cool translation but whatever but it, I, whatever. definitely the definitely is the spider at the center of that web for sure so what about the castle and the would you think of like when they actually get into spider castle or forest castle? And I mean, all the production of this movie, I mean, I have no idea what the budget is, but this I always appreciate the old epics mm-hmm. of just like they're so gorgeous to look at of that. And unlike the the new movies where it's always there's always just something a little bit cheat uh, of of um the other day I watched a little bit after watching the real movie Aladdin I then just just for for giggles then tuned in the the live action remake oh no and just as I w- looked at the live action remake and just like man this is a much more inferior version of a masterpiece right yep I I I noticed just that a few times it's just like well that's really nice that they have like a bunch of extras and a bunch of crowds but at the same time all I'm thinking is like but there's digital inserts and there's CGI inflation and don't get me wrong. I love, I'm a defender of the prequels and I, I don't mind like being creative and using computer generated imagery to bring out life and expand everything. Mm -hmm. But there's something very special 
very special about when you're walking through Forest Castle, mm-hmm. when you see Washizu and Miki walking through the castle, and all these people in in armor, mm-hmm. and all these gorgeous costumes, and all these elaborate sets, it's it's always breathtaking. It's like, oh yeah, those are actual people. Those are actual people. There are thousands of people just to make this look amazing. Yep. And these sets are are built for this purpose. This is fantastic. He, and Kurosawa is like, I, I I did a little reading on. I think even the set he had to like build like twice. Like, and they built oh. home because he's like, you know, I don't like the first one. Let's do that again. And they're like, alrighty, and they just do it. And he, you know, he's exacting when he wants mm-hmm. it. And this, the, yeah, the castle is just amazing. Um, but you know what? Also, so the, the other thing I read about. Did you read about or see anything about the No Theater? Or the Nugatu oh. Theater that he no, go that, on. So, because there was another thing that I was that I was really curious about. Because so the, <clears throat> the 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 stage versions I've seen of Macbeth, especially this century, mm-hmm. this century, got it <laughs> old. By the way, old here. So <laughs> this century when I've seen Macbeth, it's it's such a play about passion too. It's not just about mm-hmm. the ambition and the greed, but it's the passion that goes with it. So, you know. Um, like one of the, the, I think they make, you know, the version I've seen makes uh, on stage, you know, made Macbeth be, he, he, like you said, he's a, he's a good guy. He's actually a good general mm-hmm. and he loves his wife and he comes back from war and their first scene together is like, let's do it. You know, they're like, let's, it's, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's sexual and it's passionate because, you know, it, they haven't seen him and all this and, and, and all of that. Well, then you get this, this, you know, Kurosawa's version, it's very stark. You know, everything, okay. there's not a lot of decoration. And then, and there's whole scenes like in chambers where there's just very limited, like maybe a flag or a chair and everything else is blank. And I was reading about that. He's into this no theater, which is very still. And it's the opposite of passionate, like subverts passion, which is mm-hmm. a really interesting way to do Macbeth, which is, I think, easily Shakespeare's most passionate play. Like it is just mm. filled with just no subtle emotions at all it's all <laughs> on the table the whole time like you said it's it's not just the action that drives it it's these emotions of like oh yes you know, and 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 then you know from the highs of like i'm the best to the lows like oh no i screwed up and killed the king you know and like and regret and flipping through that and this has that but like until in- finally the despair of Macbeth, <clears throat> right of of tomorrow tomorrow <clears throat> right and even that is a song like, sung oh, by an idiot oh. signifying nothing yeah a tale told by an idiot and it's but even that's like just so dripping with passion and this doesn't have Mm -hmm. that the whole way through it has it but there's like there's these long moments like you said when they're walking through these crowds of people and everything's Mm -hmm. so still and and uh uh like when he and and his buddy are walking through with the helmets they're just oh i just love the stillness of everything uh Mm -hmm. and uh then you know then it blows up things you know they don't it doesn't stay that way so actually you talking about no and and just the staging i want to talk about blocking mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and i i have to applaud both of the actors of apparently he was also basically uh the de niro to to Kurosawa's Shakespeare, 
to Kurosawa's Scorsese. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, but, yeah, but, but Toshiro Mufune, Toshiro Mufune, his, his go-to actor, who yeah. plays Washizu brilliantly, fantastically. Oh, yeah. He's a fantastic Macbeth. Yeah. And Isuzu Yamada uh, as Washizu Asaji. And she's a, a terrific, terrific Lady Macbeth. I love this staging. Oh my God! Yeah. The staging I, of their first scene is so <laughs> brilliant. Of just Washizu pacing around and thinking and debating, yeah. And and almost the entire scene, Lady Was Washizu, yeah, is still. Hundred percent. She is still. Statue. Yes. She that, almost looks like the crown. She's got yes. really big face looks, and she's yeah. hunched over and you're like, I think she's going to leap out and kill him. Like, she just looks like she's ready to pounce, too. It's like still, but she's like, like, just nodded. Oh, it's yeah, it's creepy. It's great. But it's not just that. It's also she is the calm, still mind. of Just yeah. clear thinking. But also, even though it's clear <clears throat> thinking and in terms of interpretation and where it does diverge, I think, from the text, but not in a this is completely different. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, is, is I liked that she is utterly both clear minded and ambitious, but also cynical and paranoid. Exactly that. I love that the paranoid part that she's playing in, because I don't think that's even mentioned in the play that she's saying that Mickey is going to tell the warlord everything you guys saw in the forest first. And if he does that, you're a goner. And so Uh, the whole scene where the king's coming to the castle, which in Macbeth is just, oh, he's coming to visit to celebrate your victory as the, you know, the the victor of Cawdor. For her, it's like, hey, we're seeing soldiers in the woods and we think we're surrounded. I'm like, oh, that's like she's totally playing on his paranoia. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's such a good twist. Uh, well, not just that, but also her like immediately like deflating and turning it yeah. the other way around for like his compliment of of like I've gotten the honor of of leading leading the front for for the attack. Mm-hmm. It's like no, you are going into the front line to die first. <clears throat> like wait a minute, yeah, yeah, and that's just perfect. That's the yep. brilliance of Asagi just turning everything around and manipulating and her own ambition. But at the same time, even though, yes, she, she is devious and she is cynical. It still is ultimately Washizu's call. Yeah. And Washizu makes that decision on his own. And, and, but there is a moment where he does feel like, I think it, I think it's pretty good that I got this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could see again, if he didn't know about the prophecy, he would have come home and have been like, Whoa, I'm the Thane of Northern Fortress, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And yep. and but now that there's this doubt that I could have more is suddenly creeping in on him. Uh is is so good. And then I don't know if this is gonna be your other part of your block. One of my favorite it's actually one of my favorite visuals in the show. So they the the, the murder of the king is very similar in the play. So this part they keep very classic. Oh, yeah. Minus the dagger. He doesn't see the dagger of the mind, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But when she, anytime when, when Lady Wasiju does move, 
is that swishing sound. I don't know if you had your sound up to here, like her little swishing sound when she's moving uh. is so because there's no other sound. There's no music. There's no. And it's just her swishing slowly around. And then she goes into that dark uh, um, like closet mm-hmm. to get the uh, poison to drug the guards. And she comes in and then she comes right back out almost instantly and fades in and out like a spirit. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. It just was such mm-hmm. I don't know that scene. Um, well, I also loved her taking the spear. And yeah. Taking the blood. <laughs> There's always very different interpretations of that in Macbeth's of I've seen Lady Macbeth's that are like uh, the Polanski movie. Uh, if you can stomach to see the Polanski movie, uh, the, the, like the actress playing Lady Macbeth, like she is so wonderful at, at, and has these Shelley Duvall, like bug eyes. And she just, just like is totally freaking out about like, why did you bring the daggers? Yeah, and I've seen M- M- Lady Macbeth that were just annoyed. It's like, why'd you yes. bring the daggers? And I was disappointed, like that is so stupid. Yeah, and yeah. this this Lady Macbeth, Lady Washizu, she's of that of that ilk where it's just like, ugh, come on, give me give me the spear, let's get this over with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that she was very matter of fact, and I love it. It, it fits so well with the. And they didn't kill the guards, which they do in the play. This one, they just framed them, which was actually. <laughs> cool too like i love that whole idea of framing them and putting the spear right back in their hand and yes yeah it was just oh that's so cool and she's just swishing by them like like oh that's so cool and the perfect the perfect directorial touch that they do where it is different from Macbeth, they both have the blood on their hands they do not wash away the blood they do not wash away the blood when when they when they say that the lord is dead yeah, that is true. That is I, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That's a nice uh, little touch. Yeah. Oh, it's that's another like... thing too about the blood that goes back. We were talking about at the beginning is the room that they stay in at this castle, the Northern Fortress, is the mm-hmm. keep is the room where the previous lord killed himself, uh. and they never get the blood off the floor. That was a really cool. Oh yes, yes, yes. I love that. They that make a like... point of that. Yeah, I was like, it's it's a coward's blood. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a, they call it the forbidden room, but it's like the only room in the house that's left when the king comes, and clearly you can't have the king sleep in there. So I guess we're gonna have to put, you know, Mister and Mrs. Uh, Wazishu in there. And it's only after it's it wasn't when it doesn't in the one time you start to see her break for the first time is after all of that, and she looks at that blood, right? Wasn't it that scene where she's like looking back after he leaves? And she's sitting there and she looks back at the blood and kind of just like, wait a minute. Like that's it's that blood that freaks her out, not the blood that she just Am I remembering that right? Um I remember yeah. her like kind of con- consulting that blood and being like, This is not good, but it's only yeah. after it's later in the scene. I don't remember that, but that's sounds right to me. <laughs> yeah, it just oh, it was so cool. I love the symbology of that that room is just a room of bad decisions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, it's so cool. Man, this movie is uh, brilliant. It is. So let's so that so that goes to another thing too. As we move through it, uh, another change that I liked and I didn't know what you thought of it. The um so, you know, the the just like the real Macbeth play, they predict that Mickey's son is going to be the one that's going to own Spider Castle in the future. Yes. And the way they interpret it in this is that it's only because we don't have a kid 
Yeah. And he was actually, and what I thought was interesting is that Wazushi was actually like kind of cool with it. Like, oh, I'm, you know, we're, we're I guess that means we're not going to be able to have kids. We've never been able to have kids. So I'm just going to like, you know, I'll be the king. And then when I'm not, your boy will be the king and it'll be great. And I thought that was like kind of cool that he kind of liked that his best friend's son could have been it. And it's only when his wife gets pregnant, which is not in Macbeth. Yes. Right? No, that that's he's not. like, wait a minute, that's my heir. Screw that noise. And so I well, thought that was a cool twist too that gave it this like. Well, they really discuss know. political dimensions for like justifying. It's like, no, no, no. It makes sense. It's 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 one. He's my trusted friend, and by yeah. making him his son, my heir, it's a he will be oh, utterly loyal right. to me. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. It is, and it's perfect. And you're like, oh, that's a good plot hole. I guess we don't need to worry about that. Wrapped up, you know, and then yeah, gets complicated by his wife. And and his oh. wife being still like this paranoid, ambitious woman is like, no, no, like yeah. It's like, and never losing her mind. Uh, and she's also at this point like ignoring the prophecy details. Like, no, we we, we can ignore that part. Right. Even she's thinking it's BS. Well, Which well, again, you wonder it's, if it's, they didn't hear that, it, would she have been like that anyway? Yeah. And well, but that's the beauty of it. That, that's the beauty of it, and well, it's also like everyone that they choose. Everyone loves to point and choose, pick and choose the parts of the prophecies that they like, and ignore right. the parts that they don't like. Exactly. Oh, uh, just all the sorts of things like that. So they got rid of the dumbest prophecy in this one, too, which I thought was great um, for the ending. So I like that, he, you know, when things start to fall apart, because it does. Well, let's, we'll come to that. Let's, I'm skipping a little Oh, thing. you don't love? I was uh, I was untimely ripped from my mother's womb. No, when, when Tolkien did it better. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for, yes. Uh, Tolkien no version is way more than that. <laughs> Yeah, I am no man. man. I love that. Um, but I have maybe because I was born that way. I've always, but no, I, I, I utterly adore that. Like, nope, I, like I, I wasn't born of a woman. I was, un, I was ripped from my mother's womb. Well, I will get to why I, I like this version. When we get to the, the end of the movie. It changes the end of the movie significantly, and I love the end of the movie so okay. much. But yeah, going back to. That. The uh, some of the classic you know moves is they you know his uh, his boy uh, Mickey eventually does get killed off screen mm-hmm. like the play and he and they have so does Disney. Mickey and right and 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 same thing and it uh, they have the classic dinner scene but it's done very differently I like how they do it in this it, it's a kind of a slightly different take on it um, because. Because in Macbeth, they're not waiting for Banquo, right? Like, it's just assumed he's not... Like, it wasn't a dinner that they were waiting for Banquo. It was just dinner. No. Yeah, it was just a dinner. But in this one, they're specifically waiting for Mickey. Yes. And the tension is ratcheting up as like, boy, it's getting late, you know? <laughs> I yeah. love that. And it was so... And again, they had that whole, like, mini no play within a play, the no scene with that one guy doing... Yes, it. yes. It really cool. Where he's basically like, it's too true. He's basically like unintentionally criticizing his master. Yeah, like, whoop. Yeah, back off, man. Yeah, he shot. And, and, uh, and, and, but then they still do the classic, you know, he sees him there. Yes. Uh, 
and how they did that was just beautiful. It was just so well done. The clever uh, part is we don't see the assassin, so we don't know until after the ghost part. Correct. <clears throat> right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's like, oh, oh, you made the order. Yeah. Oh. That, right. That's a good point. I forget that you don't know it as clearly as yeah, 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 yeah. And it, because all we you see know the show. because prior to that we see Mc, we see Miki and his son discussing. Mm-hmm. And and Miki being pretty confident, like, no, 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 yeah, yeah, you are gonna be like my heir. Yeah. Like, you are gonna be Washizu's heir. It's it's gonna work out perfectly. Like I know oh, about I this property. And I also love that 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 touch of, of that of that Miki's son is like you know, I don't trust these prophecies. <laughs> this like, is, I, I just straight up don't believe this. Well, in, in, isn't the horse? That's the horse scene too, right? Where the horse is like losing its mind. Mickey's horse. Oh yes, yeah, and just like but, it's like, eh, I probably shouldn't. That's a pretty <laughs> bad sign, but. Right, it'd be like us going on. You can't start your car, and like, well, I just, I, I you know, on the night you're gonna get run off the road. Like, man, everything's trying to help you not go. <laughs> but he still decides to go and I'm like no dude yeah oh that was a great scene I forgot about that whole scene the son's like I don't know about this yeah yeah oh, well, okay so to bring in a completely wrong comparison funny movie not the best movie but early movie by Matt Stone and Trey Parker orgasmo there's a there's a wonderful point where the main character is being asked to star in a porno mm-hmm. and he's praying like it's like Please God, like I know it would be sinful to be in a porno, but I really love my my fiance. I need money. If there's any reason why I shouldn't be in this in this movie, please give me a sign. And there's a gigantic earthquake. And then, <laughs> st- and then after the earthquake, he then looks at the statue of Jesus and says, "Well, any sign." <laughs> that's extremely funny, and that's so right. That's exactly what's happening here. It's like, like Mickey, your on. horse literally will not let you ride it. <laughs> it won't like, let us put a saddle on it. Don't go for uh, Mickey. And, I, and what's fun too with Mickey, and he's so sweet. He's like yeah. the sweetest character. He's like, there's never a, a, a mean bone in his body. Okay. And 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 he's got a bunny rabbit for a symbol. Well, like, don't kill the bunny rabbit guy. The one evilish moment is his choice to side with Washizu when when the Lord's son says like, Washizu betrayed me. Like he killed the Lord. Miki doesn't believe him. Well, and, that's he's got a loyalty. He still loves yes. him. It's his, it's his boy, man. They yeah. like they were in war together. Yeah, and so he doesn't want to no. believe. No, no. Yeah, I think it's he doesn't want to. Yeah. But it, 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 yeah, he's regretting it, and then he shows up at dinner as a ghost. Yes. And just <laughs> a perfect freakout. Mafune gives a great oh, performance yeah. in that scene. And again, I love how. Mafune captures Macbeth one just becoming more and more colder as the play goes on goes from this noble man to colder mm-hmm. and more paranoid also a little bit drunk off of his own like hype yeah for sure especially his in the second scene what they do they don't cover as much although they do still uh, but the second scene with the spirit mm-hmm. captures Washizu deluding himself and just being like, you will crush armies. Like, yes, yes, I will. Mm-hmm. I'll be invincible. Yep. Like, you have nothing to fear uh, until the forest moves against you. I was like, what? 
Oh, okay. Then I'm fine. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. That will never happen. Yeah. Yeah. And they dumped the uh, no man can kill you thing. Which yeah, they they dropped that, but they drop it for a good reason because of yes, they do. how Shizu dies. Yes, exactly. And and so he gets to this, you know, the great dinner scene. And actually, this is a great scene for Lady Macbeth or Lady Wasishu, um, because it's the most animated I've seen her. You know, it's the mm. most she she's starting to lose it because she's like, oh, crap. You know, yeah. like first time her facade has to fall off because now her, her husband in public is losing his mind. Yeah. She can't be the controlling like she can't be the still center of, of the seat. She's got to, like, get everybody out of the room and get her husband under control and that that was great she's so cool like her going from like zero to you know 100 and it was just neat to see her do that <clears throat> and then the guy brings the head uh of mickey yes yeah and uh and then he did he does what you got to do well like no no witnesses yeah and well that's that's how end. far he has he has sunk <clears throat> that yeah. he, he kills a man that's loyal to him Right. And then, oh, my God, the guy dying so slowly and then him losing it and backing up thinking he's going to get him. Or I don't you know when he like backs away from him, like, mm-hmm. like, is he regretting his decision or is he oh, just at this point? Fune is just like amazing. He's just. Yeah. You have no idea what he's going to do next. And uh, oh. and, then, and then, OK, so then the, the plot point and then the, the big change that pays off, although. For an interesting interpretation, it's a mixed re- re- reception, but the recent Macbeth movie starring uh, in 2015, uh, oh, gosh, now I'm blanking on his name. Fastbender? Was it Fast- Fastbender? Yeah, Fastbender's I didn't see that Macbeth one, yeah. um, with uh, the the impeccable Marion Cotillard. They go for the idea that, that Macbeth and Lady Macbeth are – our parents and the opening of that that one is the death of their of their infant child and their other older child dies in the first battle with Macbeth. Oh. So that's their their okay. interpretation. So I like that idea of that of them as parents and so that's part of their their incentive for their ambition mm-hmm. is because they're already broken people. Right. But for this one, right after the death of Miki, they get the news that she, that Lady Washizu has a miscarriage. Yes. Or, or, or stillbirth. Stillbirth, right? Specifically, say stillbirth, and and this replaces the her walking the halls, and then offing herself. But, right. This is like a different take on that. Or she's sick after that, but right. We still get the outdamned spot because she's trying to wash her her hands while she's asleep. Yeah. <clears throat> and Washizu tries to wake her up and she's just yeah. can't be woken up. She's gone at that point. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll, and then, but again then that the 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 tragedy of losing a child that then it sort of plays into that like like you said with the other movie a little different take on it but that you know like everything like this could have been a good outcome for them like all right I, I did a bunch of horrible things, but I could at least say I did it for my kid. And yeah, nope, we don't have that no, now. And, absolutely not. But that's what actually where she loses it. If she loses it after she loses her kid is, I think, really cool. Like that was it. Like, and that's a nice touch. That, that, yeah, that is 100% that a nice touch. Yeah. Where where um, everything about Lady 
Macbeth's facade fully breaks, and she goes, no. And what's interesting, I, it, they had her hidden behind a screen, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like her nurses, like instead of dealing with it at the end, they're just like, let's just put her behind a screen and hope nobody bugs her, you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, or hope or hope was she doesn't see it. Like, I don't I never completely got the interpretation of that. Like it was in a room, but even in the room, it was still surrounded. Like they couldn't even look at it. And she's mm-hmm. just hunched over that the water doing the classic scene. And that was a cooler place to do that scene. I just loved how they did that. That was so mm-hmm. nice. Um, and then we get to the big ending. And then the uh, so everything at this point, this is pretty much like the play. Everything's falling apart. Everybody that was an ally is turning on them. All the different forts are like, you know, heck yes. with him. They don't have there's no outside. There's no England version. It's just all the warlords. It's basically one warlord keeps all these different clans under uh, mm-hmm. iron grip and if that guy starts to fall they all start to shift around again it's basically a repeat of the beginning of the movie well and that's pretty <laughs> accurate both to yeah, what it was like true. in feudal japan and honestly what it was like in feudal feudal Scotland. feudal britain scotland yeah. and where it's like yeah right. there's a king vaguely there's a king but but that was at the the peak of where the duke dukes they called it bastard feudalism for a reason of just that the feudal lords were so powerful that they commanded armies that they could really, if they didn't like the king, they could easily depose him. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. I mean, and, well, I mean, that's what Shakespeare's histories are all about. It's like, uh-oh. Yeah. And We've so everything falls the- apart for Wazishu in the same way. And so by taking out the no man will kill you, there's no... Um, there's no Macduff. There's no Macduff character in this. They don't even set up a Macduff, right? They just have the. Um, well, I'm There's looking at Macduff. it at like the Wikipedia. Basically, Noriyasu, the. Right. The, the, the They were the guys that were the guards, right? Weren't they the? Uh, no, no, no. He he was like the, the belligerent for the first battle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He's basically Macduff. <clears throat> right. They kind of like he he's the one that's like leading the army that's attacking. Was she sued? Right, but we don't have any. We don't have any prophecy. The only thing that the only prophecy is the forest thing. So yes. I'm like, how are they going to play this out? And I had saw that this movie. I saw this movie like 20 years ago, and I forgot the ending, which is weird because the ending is stunning. Like I think I remember these the the actual imagery of the ending, but I don't remember how he got to it. Mm. Um, and so he he's. It, it, this this scene, this is when you see the castle like in its fullest, right? I mean, it's like you, you get the whole interior of this castle with all its troops in there. Mm-hmm. And they decide to go into siege mode and just like, let's lock the doors and we'll, you know, we'll, they're out there camped. And yeah. he's just watching them. And and uh, he's thinking, we're doing okay. And everybody's, he has everybody on their side at this point. Barely. And he actually then, he gives a speech detailing the prophecy. Right. Not a good idea. That's that was a bad idea, Macbeth. Um, <laughs> he tells them if you if anybody sees the forest coming, we're doomed. Um, and then they do. And it was really yeah. cool how he did that too. I don't know yeah. what. Is it, that was a fantastic it, visual. I I wholeheartedly agree. You know, that's always been a little bit of my least favorite part of the of <clears throat> Macbeth. Honestly, mm-hmm. is the forest moving against him? 
Just because, like, it's a great, like, you know, prophecy twist, but it also, to me, is a little bit like, well, what's the tactical value of that? Just normally, I'm just, like, a little bit on the skeptical side. Well, I think what the idea may be, and I don't know enough about any history, but when you think, like, you, you clear away a bunch of forest up from the side of your fortress so people can't hide. Yes. People bring you know, as camouflage with them. It basically is just camouflage, you know? I mean, it's just yeah. camouflage. Absolutely. And, well, I mean, and that's how they describe it. For this, though, it yeah. also just, like, it's such an imposing visual. It's like, oh, my gosh, the forest it's like is the, moving against us. It is. And uh, it also disguises, in camouflage, it perfectly disguises how big the army is. Right. And that's why I like how they do it, because this is what you can't do on a stage. On a stage, it looks goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, because how do you figure out? But this one, you're right, because they had sweeping giant trees, mm-hmm. and behind it was the army, and you couldn't, you know what I mean? Like usually you see mm-hmm. like I've got a twig tied to my head, you know, and and that's yeah. that's the stage version of it. But this one, you're right, and just you had these big like just look, it did look literally like the forest moving, and it was because they had all these troops behind it, and and then him then him doing that sort of final speech. So the forest mm-hmm. is coming, everybody's running they're all leaving and he's trying to get them to stay yeah and and then we get the probably one of the greatest death scenes in any movie um, yeah and and he starts getting riddled with but i love that it's like slowly starting yes. like he's just walking in there he's losing his people they're running away and then an arrow hits nearby and like who shot that you know it could have been such a funny scene but no it's like and and you know and then they they start to come in and more and more arrows and yeah. And and then you see it's really set home when you see the actual guy shooting at him from the ground. You're like, that eh, that's it. You know, he yep. lost it. His own men, and that's when it's like, <laughs> oh yeah. And they also justify it's like, no, you killed our lord, so you're the yep. traitor. So no. Yep. Yeah, time to go. And and they pick, uh, they 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 choose to uh, rise up. And I love that it wasn't uh, another, you know, Scottish lord or in this case Japanese lord defeating him in a fight it was his own man saying failed yeah. as the leader and so i did you ever read about this how they make because i was like how did they make that scene it looks so real i love hearing the stuff like <laughs> this tell me they it was real and so what was really cool because a lot of t- you know a lot of ways they used to do mm-hmm. the old stuff is they'd shoot an arrow from behind the, the wall right and it would come out and it would it happened so fast it looks like it hits but i'm like no you can see that arrow coming in and what it was is they got all these professional archers and if you when they, there's like a making of scene, so he's on that big tower, right, on that balcony of that tower, mm-hmm. which is like two stories high. Yeah. And they put like a plank in front of it, behind the camera, and they had pro archers shooting real arrows at Whoa. the different spots. Oh my gosh! <clears throat> the, far, the farther away they were, the ones that were closer, they would use a wire to guide the arrows. They were still shot, but they kind of ran along a wire. And and then but th- those were only the ones that were close to him. The ones that were stuck in him were shot by an actual guy and a pro archer. There's an interview. If you look on YouTube, there's an interview with the guy that did it. Oh, and he's this cute little old guy. It's like it's like from like probably 25 years ago. And he was like a expert archer. And they put on the front of it like a fat needle that wouldn't pierce flesh. And they put behind his armor a board and they shot him. <laughs> and, oh, and the fear you see on so... face is 100 percent real 
because he knew this was coming and every day would ask, is this the day we're doing it? And they're like, no, this isn't it. Nope, it's the day. <laughs> oh, he was bless him for being willing to do that. Yeah. that is, oh. So that's, there's some real method acting in there is that he's actually being shot at by arrows and, and has this actual visceral fear to it because he's going to get hit. They're shooting him in the yeah. chest with him. Oh and my. it's such wow. a great scene when he's like hedgehogged at the end and that the what the final shots through the throat like that one's a little cheesier comparatively but it still is an amazing shot for that era it's, it's fantastic it's just like <laughs> and and what a powerful ending like that's that ended that ending was so good and uh Oh, it, it just and by by taking that one little hitch out of there where you don't have to have like a little one-on-one battle it's his own hubris and his own uh, ambition and greed kills them in in the most uh, stunning way. Mm. Uh, and then you get, like you said, they get they, they repeat the opening thing, right? Isn't it just yeah. pretty much the opening thing that basically says verbatim, yeah. And this is going to happen again, and it's going to happen again. It's it, and you know nothing changes. This is human, the human condition. Yeah. Which is well, and this is something gift, right? I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Everybody gives Shakespeare the props for is he's such a good you know he's so good at exploring the human condition and and if kurosawa throwing out all the dialogue is still able to do the same thing that shakespeare did uh, absolutely part, which is oh love that what was your thoughts on the ending i just rambled on about that well i mean nothing i really can disagree with other than yeah it just it's perfect again repeat of the central theme the central thesis of this of this film mm-hmm. and about Shakespeare and universality, uh, just yes. Just basically what I say to uh, what Phil has just said is yes. And there, there's something truly amazing is that what you're touching on right there is that, and what Kurosawa shows with Throne of Blood is society can change, technology can change, and culturally, we may wear different clothes, we may eat different, we may have different diets, but we all still have the same strengths and weaknesses. We all know ambitious people, and we know how they fall. And so this story, and Shakespeare had such a way that he was able to truly capture it and craft a story that is eternal, that is universal, that can be translated in any way. There was the Voodoo Macbeth by by Orson Welles, and we have Throne of Blood by Akira Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a uniquely, even though it is a quintessentially Scottish play, it's, it is a universal play. It yep. is a universal story. And how fitting... Even three times in, we can still say so much about this play, right? about the story. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been great having you. This has been a wonderful conversation. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, man. This is, this, I, I really enjoy doing this. This is a, a real treat. And well, I'm so glad you took the, took the bait and saw it. It was. A, <laughs> a, well, uh, it was a joy. It was a joy. So come back and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about next. Uh, this has been great. Tune in next week. We'll have another episode. See you then. Bye. See ya.